The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase Podcast. So, Hall Acceptor Jeff Everson, that's your name on Twitter these days. What is up? Welcome to the pod. Thanks for having me. Uh, what is going on? It's New Year's Eve and talking to you, podcasting. This is uh, all you could hope for in a pandemic year. I was going to say, Happy New Year. I guess this was the best you could do tonight, right? Uh, pretty much. It's funny. I mean, I, I haven't been out in a couple years. I didn't like crowds before COVID. Right, so right. Uh, New Year's Eve isn't exactly my jam. So this is, uh, this is a good alternative. I feel that. Yeah, I used to do the New Year's Eve party stuff a little bit in the past. But in general, I am, you know, I'm good just chilling and doing my own thing. And it's kind of crazy these days anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll get into it. So uh, obviously with the Cubs, uh, I guess you could say things are a little ridiculous with that team. It's kind of felt that way for a while, uh, to say the least. But, you know, I don't know about you. But uh, so going back to October, when I was talk with you know different people on the podcast i had bleacher nation on i uh i asked a lot of different people the same question uh or at least among them was would you Mm -hmm. trade a guy like darvish not because i i mean i didn't want to necessarily trade him but i understood considering where the team was uh it looked like a at least a retooling or something had to kind of change and i was thinking okay if you're going to do something a guy like Darvish might be the guy you would move because of the value and what you might be able to bring him back. So were you surprised when that actually did happen this past week or did you kind of figure something might like something like that might happen? So my thought going in was they were going to move a piece. I didn't know if it was going to be him or Chris Bryant or I mean I didn't really think Javi or Rizzo were going to get traded just because of how popular and, and just kind of what they mean um, to kind of the team identity. Um, so I thought it was possible Darvish would get moved. Uh, when the rumor came out on, what was that, Monday, yeah, um, yeah. and it was uh, pretty clear that they were going to make a trade, you know, pulled the Padres farm system, like, oh, there's a lot of guys here who are going to be, who could be helpful. Um, there's talk about Jay Cronenworth coming over as a major league piece. There, CJ Abrams is probably going to hit triple A or double A this year and could be, um, on a major league roster by next season. Like there was all these guys in the pipeline for them that are pretty exciting. Like, okay, you strike while the iron's hot. And if Darvish is wanted by San Diego, this bad, he could command a high trade return. So if you have to move somebody anyway, this is probably the best opportunity you have. Then the actual trade came over and it's a bunch of 18, 19 year olds who aren't going to be here for three or four years. And then I think that's what kind of disillusioned uh, me and disillusioned a lot of people and kind of let all the air out of the balloon. Exactly. You're basically saying like, look, we are taking our best pitcher guy who finished second in the Cy Young and had a very good case to win it. And all of a sudden we're turning into, you know, prospects that aren't going to play uh, a part anytime soon. So now right. it's like, it just comes off as a transparent, we're just going to cut salary here and it's not clear what they're going to do with yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Right, and I, I think there's been been an, kind of an increase in talk that they will roll some back in this year. I believe uh, the Athletics podcast with um, Sahada brought that up today. Um, and there's guys out there in free agency, like it's a slow moving market, and I think one or two year deals are feasible. And there's guys out there who could help. It's just we have to see what this next step is. But right now, it's incredibly frustrating because it looks like it's just purely a salary dump. But 
Uh, I feel better about it than I did a few days ago, seeing that maybe they'll roll that money into bats that could help or bring a pitcher in that's better than Zach Davies as the number two starter and see what we do with that. But right now it's, it's, it's just going to be frustrating until they actually prove they're going to spend more money this year. Right. Yeah. With, uh, with a guy like Darvish, I mean, that was the whole thing. I was like, you know, I could see if they move a guy like that or whether, I mean, I know with Bryant, he's coming off kind of a bad year and all that aside, but you figure in general, certain guys can bring back a certain value. Uh, whether right, right. you know the quick fix doesn't have to be a rebuild, but maybe like a quick retooling, kind of like the sixteen Yankees when they did their little kind of retool on the fly, and they're back to being a, con- a contender right now, or, not, or you know that very next year basically. But yeah, so that was the whole thing. It was like, okay, well, if they're gonna move Darvish, maybe they'll bring back the big haul, and then they, like you said, they bring back something that seems somewhat underwhelming. And I know that. Any prospect can be, it's kind of a crapshoot. You never really know what's going to happen, but it's a lot more underwhelming or, um, you know, it's confusing when they bring back who they bring back. You don't know who's going to really make it. Those guys may not make it. One of them might make it. Maybe they flip them down the road. Who knows? But sure. So, yeah. And so once that trade happened, it just felt like the Florida Marlins in the, like the nineties, like just winning the world series and then just salary dump. And it's like, okay, is this what we're really going to do here? So it's definitely frustrating to say the least. And, you know, we've been hearing about Ricketts crying about money and saying that we don't have money and, I don't know. I don't know about you, but it's like I never really expected them to sign a guy like Harper or Machado a few years ago. But I also didn't expect them to not spend anything and just basically get guys like Descalso and Souza. Well, the constraint a few years ago was nobody's ever gone over the high end of luxury tax. And it's almost an agreed upon thing that teams just don't do that. Plus, the penalties get pretty extreme up there, which... Okay, if you're a billionaire family, you can afford it. But there could be things within Major League Baseball that just nobody does this, right? So the constraint yeah. there was okay. They don't want to balloon their payroll to two hundred eighty million dollars, even if they can afford it. There's, there's reasons why that is a reasonable thing to come back with. This is going from I believe they're at one hundred forty million right now. Like this is slashing sixty or seventy million off of last year's. This is trying to lower the number where there's no real constraint, and that's I just think a different story. And. I'm sure they got shellacked last year. I'm sure it was very bad for one year, but it's a one-year black swan event where we're probably not going to have another pandemic in the next 10 years, fingers crossed. Like this isn't like At a, least, yeah, we're hoping. This isn't going to be for the duration of Darvish's contract. They can't have fans or fill up the bars they own or that sort of thing. So that's, that's just why it seems like, okay, you lost money in one year and all of a sudden you have to be non-competitive for a couple seasons. That just doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. And like... And like on the one hand, I feel like Jed is in a tough situation because, I mean, it's kind of like okay, we're it's probably from the owner. We're we got to cut salary, just do it somehow, some way. But at the same time, I'm sure Jed probably could have gotten a little bit more for Darvish, right. and also the timing of it. Did it have to be this week? Could it have been next week, next month? You know, so it's just kind of interesting how it all came together. I know we'd heard the rumblings about Darvish or potentially like, could they move him and all that? Mm -hmm. And then it happened pretty much right then. So, and right after the Blake Snell trade, which was interesting because we all kind of thought, okay, that's probably not going to happen. Sure enough, the next day is done. So it's just interesting how once, and I mean, credit to the Padres, they look legit right now. 
It also just looks bad in contrast to the Snell trade happening the night before where they actually like Luis Patino is going to be in a major league rotation this year. And like the, the lower end prospects they got in that deal are just more interesting and closer to the bigs. And that's, I mean, that's the raise that roll over players pretty quickly, but I don't know. I would have thought going in Snell and Darvish were pretty comparable in terms of um, what their, their trade returns would be like Darvish has a bit more on his contract, but he also had a much better season last year and probably has more upside than Snell. And, you know, it's just that that's that's the other thing that I think we all got our hopes up for. It's like, oh, well, they just got a pretty nice return for Snell. Darvish should get us some, something good. And it's a bunch of lottery tickets that maybe they sort out. Right. Maybe not. Yeah, it's again, it's like it's one thing if you're going to make the trade and bring back some crazy stud that you would hope or a couple or major league ready players, things like that. But then it just when it comes off as like, oh, we just saved all this money. It's like, OK, great. Yeah. But that's not what we're really looking for. So, yeah, so now they're they're talking. I, I know we've seen some tweets or speculation that, oh, they might resign Baez now, which it's like, OK, they're just doing it with the money that they probably saved from trading Darvish and okay, great, we're bringing back a guy like Baez, but he's coming off a down year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, you know, what are we going to do on top of what we had last year team-wise on the field? So that kind of leads into my next question, though. So going into 2021, <laughs> to kind of maybe put a positive spin on it, what excites you about the team? I know it's been it's been such a damper, it feels like, around the team, right. but there's got to be something positive, right? Well, I joked the other day, if they wanted to get everybody excited, just sign all the guys from 2016 who are currently not on rosters. Bring Arietta back, bring Miguel Montero back, have David Ross manage and catch. Maybe be a lot of fun that back. way. <laughs> um, but in, in all seriousness, I mean, I think that their road to winning the division is going to involve players that they could acquire without spending much money, which is their main constraint right now. Um, I think this is a very winnable division. I think, I mean, it's not like it used to be as much of a crapshoot in the playoffs, but you can also kind of cobble together stuff mid season. If you think you're going to make it, Um, I think they could go out. A lot of names have been thrown out. I think they need two kind of platoonish bats. Like a lot of people brought up Robbie Grossman as the fourth outfielder who can play against lefties. Um, You know, somebody like that, another piece in the infield and find a way to patch this rotation together. And they probably win the division by five games, eight games. I mean, it's just a very, the teams that have to play a lot are just not very good and nobody's making an, a real effort to improve. Um, and I think if, you know, there's, there's definitely a path where they do that. They get off to a decent start. It looks in July, like they're going to be a real, um, a real contender to win the division and they can maybe add two good bullpen pieces or kind of patching them together. That, that at least gives you a hope they can, win a five gamer against the Dodgers and then, you know, take on whomever. Um, I mean, it longer, like bigger picture, the system is pretty good again. It's still, they need to have one more good draft, but there's a lot there that is encouraging. Um, I think Marquez is going to be a real thing in the bigs. I think Brennan Davis following kind of his pro- uh, progression is going to be very interesting because he's just such a talented ball player and has kind of hit at every level so far. So there's, there's reason for long-term optimism, even if 21 kind of goes sideways. But if they did absolutely nothing the rest of the way, I still think they go in as the favorite. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the, right. the Reds are getting rid of everybody. The Brewers are not making sizable improvements to a team that wasn't very good. And the Cardinals have kind of just been running on air for the past couple of years. So, I mean, you put that together, it's it's still very winnable, especially if Baez bounces back and Brian bounces back and can can stay healthy and there's enough there to, to, to win the division. It's just Darvish would have made it more, less a sure thing. So 
Davies could be good in the rotation as like a three or four starter, but like you said, it kind of sucks when he's, you know, not nothing against him, but it's like, all right, Hendricks is the ace right, right. now. And I like Hendricks a lot. I think we all do. Um, I kind of figured, I mean, even before this year, I've thought of him as like an ace when, you know, you had Lester at, his, at the top of his game and Hendricks and then Darvish and Hendricks. I know I know Hendricks can be iffy a little bit, but he always seems to write the ship. He figures it out, makes his uh, adjustments. So I, I trust him. I know he'll have weird road splits or whatever sure. it is, but I like him. He's proven himself in big games. But, you know, I'm hoping like a guy like Alzali can you know, kind of take that next step also, yep. maybe be the full-time rotation piece. That would definitely help. I mean, even Alec Mills, I don't know what to expect out of him. I mean, he threw the no-hitter. He had some really good starts last year, but, I mean, do you look at him as basically solidifying the fifth starter spot or kind of still iffy? Yeah, I mean, I think he's a fine fifth starter with a little bit of upside. I, I was very pleasantly surprised by his season last year. I mean, there was never – he had a couple bad outings, but there was never like a run where it seemed like the league had figured him out, which is really good to see from a guy who isn't throwing 95 with a hard slider. Like the sinker curveball thing he's got going does seem to work. I mean, I think if you go in with him as your four or your five, you're fine. Um, and like Davies as a middle of the rotation guy is fine. There's pitchers out there. I, I don't know what they're inclined to do, but like Jake Odorizzi yeah. would be a nice ad. Uh, Masahiro Tanaka mm-hmm. would be a nice ad. Like there's, they could they could find somebody decent to kind of fill that middle of the rotation um, type role. And yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that's the big question though, is just how they go about that if they're, um, kind of putting their eggs in the basket of Alzali and somebody else from the system stepping up, or if they just want like an innings eater and see how it sorts. Um, to Tanaka would be interesting. I know I saw something tonight. I don't know if it's true, but it was something like Yankees or Japan, basically. Which I guess I could see that. Sure. But uh, yeah, a guy like that would be good. But yeah, I mean, they could probably, if they wanted to spend, probably bring it. Even it probably would even take a ton, but just something to. A reliable rotation, middle of the rotation piece. The Cubs, I mean, we shit on them because of what's happened the last few years, but we're talking about a team that's actually in the playoffs over the last, with the exception of 2019, you know, they go to the playoffs. We want to see them do more than just go to the playoffs, but it's not like they're coming off a last place finish or anything. They still won the Central last year for what it's worth. Yeah, And, you know, Hap, Hap had a great season in a shortened season, but Hap was great. Hayward was really good offensively for a change. And Chris Bryant, Javier Baez come back. Rizzo is still consistent. I mean, look at the team. If if Bryant and Baez rebound, they were so off last year right, for right. whether it's COVID-related, all kinds of stuff, everything happening off the field. And then that could be a good lineup if they if those guys come back to what we're expecting. And I think a, we, a sign of optimism is, granted, it was a dumb 60-game season when yeah. their hand was forced, but... They won the division without their two best players having anything close to what would exactly. be considered a good year. It's, I mean, just getting those two back to being on like a four or five win pace kind of changes everything. I mean, it was Ian Happ and Jason Hayward drove, drove the offense. Like nobody would have predicted that coming in. Um, if that's real at all over 162, like this offense can be right up there with, I think, just about anybody who's not in the NL West at this point. Um, definitely outpacing the division. Right. Yeah. And I know we talk about it. I mean, the offense, you know, 2016 was historically good or, you know, the team was historically good. The defense was amazing. Uh, They got everything that they needed in 16. And then, you know, ever since really 18, I guess the offense just kind of went backwards. We always had the 
the changing hitting coaches and this or that. And just for whatever reason, I know they miss a guy like Zobris because not just in the on the field, but in the clubhouse. And it's just, I don't know what it is about the offense. I mean, no one knows, obviously. These guys are so good, but yet they just, it's, it's just, you'll have the, I think it goes back to 18. They'd have the 10 run game and then they'd yeah, score exactly. two the next night. With Chris Bryant, there's, I know it's such, it's like a polarizing it's like he's polarizing for whatever reason to the fan base. Some people, it seems, I'll see tweets. I'm sure you do too. I see tweets where it's like, uh, he's Buddy, soft I see because of tweets. we see the tweets. <laughs> he's soft because of this, or he's dream. I mean, you know, we see it like the extremes of both sides. He's this or he's that. And uh, it's to me, it's like, I know it's not necessarily um, maybe a direct correlation. I'm sure it didn't help when he got plunked in the head against the Rockies back yeah. in 18. I know it's the wrist ailments and whatever else, but whatever, and I've always, I, I bring this up all the time, but I always go back to what are the Cubs doing when it comes to injuries? It just seems like they can never either figure it out or they misdiagnose or maybe guys are telling them they're, that they're good and they're just letting them play. I don't know. Right. I have no clue. But I, I, I mentioned it to Bleacher Nation and everybody else I've talked to about the Cubs. And it's just like, what is up with the injuries? And I know Bryant plays hurt. I know a lot of them do. I mean, even yeah. the Scouts, we, we joke on him. We found out how badly hurt he was. Right. What's happening with the injuries? And are they letting guys play when they shouldn't? I think just, I mean, from the outside, that's what it, it, it seems like. You're just not going to find professional athletes who don't want to get out there if they feel even 50%. Um. And it, there needs to be an adult in the room who says, you know, we're, we need to sit you for a week, let this get to 100% and go. I mean, just on the case of Bryant, I mean, people, the, the whole soft narrative is idiotic, but the stuff that's happened to him isn't like a chronic or injury prone. Like there's, there's professional athletes who are just injury prone. Like they seem to break down every year. His stuff has all been really freak type injuries that just got exasper- exacerbated because they kept trying to run him out there. Like, um, what was what was the year the shoulder was the shoulder injury eighteen? It was like a bad slide into first base. I think it was eighteen. 18. I think he had it at nineteen also, right? Yeah, but one was like on a, on a bad slide to first base. He tweaked his knee on a coming down on a swing. He hurt his wrist last year diving for a ball. Like none of this is like an endemic issue with him. Yeah, but it's fluke, he, freaky but he gets, stuff. Yeah, he gets hurt. They leave him in for two more innings. They try to run him out the next day. They bring him back three days later. It's like there's a there's an injury list for a reason. Yeah. You can call right. somebody up to replace him. And it, it was magnified last year with a short season, but over 162, you lose a guy for 10% of the year. That's not the end of the world. Like it just done the big picture production thing. Like David Bodie could get really hot for two weeks at third base and you didn't miss Brian at all while he got healthy and got back to an MVP level. Um, but you see like they'll, they'll leave a guy on the bench for a week rather than put him on the IL and they're not getting better. They're probably still going to the ballpark and, and warming up, trying to play that night the entire time. It's just, I, I they've apparently made changes to their medical staff. I, I don't know. We didn't really see it last year, but again, it's not the best sample to use. Um, but yeah, it just seems like an, an organizational philosophy where they just really yield to the players until it's time to put a lineup together where, I don't know, it's a long season. Let guys sit out for a couple of weeks and get back to hundred percent. It's better than, running guys out there at 70 percent and uh what was it it was a 19 uh javi was carrying like a heel injury the entire season that probably if they had just yeah. rested him for two weeks right away it would have been fine yeah. and right I, I don't know i just i don't get the the logic and it's like i said any player wants to play but there has to be a a doctor or a manager or somebody who tells them 
no, like get healthy. We want you at your best, not trying to battle through a wrist injury in July against the Pirates. To kind of bring it closer to like the average person like me or you, it's like, yeah, we can work sick, but if we don't have to take a day and, you know, yeah. come back when we're ready to go. So, and then you got like Rizzo who was able to come back in 2019 at the end with that, uh, what was that injury? That, oh, the foot, right? Or the ankle, it was an ankle I think it was. It was a sprained ankle. And he was able to come back all of a sudden. That was, and then he was, you know, he was able. I think he hit a home run or something. I can't even remember the details. Yeah, it was but in his first game. He was back. able to come back and be effective. Yeah, but with the Cubs, it's it's so questionable, I guess, with the ownership, what Ricketts is doing, and I mean, it looks like we know what he's doing. He's trying to save money any way he can. But I think Jed is kind of in a tough spot because he's trying to put a positive spin. He said, just because we're trading Darvish doesn't mean we're not going to try to be competitive and. I get it, but at the same time, it's like, well, having Darvish right, would right. definitely help you be more competitive. I find it hard to believe that Jed has been in baseball as long as he has and has worked with Theo Epstein, who's a Hall of Fame GM for most of that time, or Hall of Fame, whatever his yeah. title is, yeah. president of baseball <laughs> ops, um, and is just a total idiot who doesn't know what he's doing and thought this was just like a huge winning trade that's going to help him win the World Series. Like, I, I don't want to jump to any conclusions about him at this point. Right. And we'll see what his next few moves are. But I mean, there's there's ways to be competitive this year, and it really doesn't take much. So see so what you can do with it. I know he mentioned that it doesn't look like he's signing or hiring a GM anytime soon, which honestly, I mean, that sounds weird, but he's the president. He's essentially the GM. He sure. could just be the GM. So it's the same, whatever. But let's say you were the GM, you were Jed's GM. You kind of already alluded to some of the moves that you might at least hope to see the Cubs make. But what are some of the players, I guess, on this market, either free agency or trade that you might say, hey, we should sign this guy or trade for this guy if we could? Yeah, so to like fix this team. Something I was looking at today on the pitching side is there's a few guys out there who are sort of rehab candidates. Um, one is Garrett Richards. He pitched about 50 innings for San Diego last year, coming off Tommy John. Uh, had some really good years with the Angels um, before his his elbow went out. Uh, always like hard thrower. Um, if he's healthy, I think that'd be a really nice kind of speculatory move that he can kind of keep it together and, and his elbow's healthy. Um, Chris Archer is the other one who's coming off, um, I believe it was shoulder surgery. Um, I think he had uh, the same thing. Uh, the thoracic, thoracic outlet, I think, is what he was out with, but he missed last season. But obviously, he's got a pretty good track record um, before the injury. So maybe not both, but one of those two. Um, somebody you're not going to rely on as your third starter, but has that sort of potential. Um Along with bringing in, I mean, we brought up Tanaka, who'd be really interesting, or or just sort of a solid two to three win pitcher just to fill up the, the middle of the rotation. Um, because I think then between Hendricks, Davies, and then this third free agent, innings eater, you could kind of fill in behind that and potentially hit a home run with Elzelai or um, bringing in a guy like a Richards or an Archer. Um, the offensive side, uh, what I think would be helpful, they need contact. I think that's been... Yeah, a pressing thing for years is they just need a solid non-strikeout. Maybe doesn't hit for a ton of power, but you can kind of count on to to drive in runs or to to when they load ba- load the bases with one out. It's not going to be strikeout, strikeout. Somebody who who you can kind of count on to get the ball in play. Um, 
I think if you're going to lean on that, you really want to lean on like the platoon split advantage. Um, and two guys that have been brought up a lot, Robbie Grossman as like a fourth outfielder uh, talked about earlier. Um, that seems to be a really popular idea on Twitter and I agree with it. Um, could platoon with Hayward a little bit, could platoon with somebody in left field if they want to go um, with somebody who can mash righties there. If they, even if they brought Schwarber back and be a great platoon partner in left. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, and the other one is uh, Hanser Alberto, who was, has played for the Orioles for the past few years. Um, Contact-based hitter who absolutely matches lefties. Uh, I was looking at his, him versus left-handed pitchers, and he platooned with Bodie against right-handed pitchers. Um, that platoon, I think you could probably get a 120 WRC plus out of, um, relatively on the cheap, which would fit the uh, ownership mandate. Um, yeah. You put those two at third, it's a pretty good solution. You could probably slide Brian out to left full-time. Um, so I, 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 that's kind of what I would target if I were them. Um, just you don't need to go out and get George Springer as nice as that would be. You don't need to get the absolute top of the top of the uh, free agent class, but you can find guys who can make a lot of contact and could pair off with somebody. Because right, like right now, other than left field, there's no spot where they don't really have a clear cut starter. Um, especially if you're considering Nico Horner as the everyday second baseman now. Like there's somebody everywhere. Um, yeah. So if you fill in with like two really high quality bench bats you can platoon, that gives you a pretty deep lineup and gives you a lot of injury protection. Um, and if you're aiming for a type, like aim for guys who can make contact and do something different than what you've been seeing when it's just racking up strikeouts. So what do you think about Nico Horner? I know, so when I was talking to Bleacher Nation, he was saying, Brett was saying that he kind of thought the lack or really the no minor leagues last year you know, if, if if they had the minor leagues, Nico could have used some more seasoning down there. But uh, what do you think about a guy like Nico Horner? Because he's kind of one of the few guys, aside from the Bryant Baez camp, you know, the guys that came up from the system and kind of stuck on the right. roster. Nico's still trying to, you know, find his groove and become like the regular everyday guy. So what do you think about a guy like Nico? I think the profile is great. I think he can make contact. Um, potentially up to like an elite level. He can play multiple positions. I think he's pretty athletic. I think he was, I think Brett's right that he was hurt by the lack of um, the lack of a minor league season. I think their goal was always to start him in triple A for maybe 60 games or so, 50 games. Um, if you remember two years ago too, he made his major league debut because they literally ran out of shortstops. Yep. Um, that jumping from double A in a year where he was never even supposed to sniff the bigs into being the starting shortstop for a, a pennant race um, that they ultimately came up short in. Um, so he's a guy whose development has absolutely been interrupted and has definitely not gone according to the plan they had. So it's, it's hard to, you know, really jump on the fact he had a slow start to the season last year, but I think all the tools are there. Um, I think he can be an everyday player and be a three to four win guy. And if everything goes perfectly, it's just um, the experience factor obviously counts um, and not ever seen triple A pitching. I think ding them, but I, I, I think he's going to be good. I think all, all, all the pieces are in place. It's just, if they, if they can find a way to get him some at bats in triple A to start the year, I think it's to everybody's benefit. It's just a product of if they're going to have another alternative at second, or if they have to run him out there. Um, and I think right now it seems like he's going to start in the majors, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's going to take a little time, but the profile is, exactly what they need and i just don't see a you know glaring red flag where i don't think it's going to work out just from the small slice we've seen in the majors so far 
Yeah, yeah. And then you mentioned Schwarber. Were you surprised when they basically non-tendered him? And I, so at the time, I was a little shocked when it happened, but not shocked, shocked because I was expecting something to happen, something sure. different, whether it was him or whoever. But were you surprised with Schwarber? After the Twins non-tendered Rosario and the Twins are in a better mm-hmm. finance position and he's a or allegedly in a better financial position uh, insofar as the ownership <laughs> wants to actually spend money on the team. Um the uh, after the twins non-tenured Rosario, that sort of that sort of player collecting uh, or making like nine million dollars plus a year just seemed like nobody was going to carry that. So that sort of I think laid the groundwork for me to think like Schwarber was probably on the chopping block. I don't think the door is closed though. Um, just with how slow this free agent market's going to go, and I think if they would bring him back for three years, let's say eighteen twenty million dollars, I think both sides would probably be pretty good with that. Um, yeah, it, it didn't come as a surprise after seeing whether, what other teams were doing. I think in a normal circumstance it would be shocking. Um, but obviously this is not a year any of us could have, could have predicted and not a free agent market. I think anybody could predict it a year ago. I, you know, I, I'd like to see him back. I think that unless you're going to do something really creative with a big platoon thing that works out, there's just, there's a lot of production there out of Schwarber and he's right. worked his way to be a good left fielder and he's a fan favorite. So I think it's, it's worth right. their time to try to pursue a, a way of making this work. At the very least, you know, he has, it, it would help the goodwill of the team to bring a guy that's liked back, um, you know, something to rally around, but yeah, he's got the great arm in left field. We've seen him throw out guys at the plate. It seems like all the time, uh, He's got the home run pop. He can hit the ball, obviously. I mean, he brings a lot of good. So I get from a financial perspective, if they think they can bring him back cheaper, sure. But we'll see what happens with that. But again, going back to Bryant, we've seen the rumblings of, you know, is he going to be traded, this or that? So right now, I know it's hard to say on New Year's Eve, but uh, and especially with the way the Cubs just traded Darvish, but would you expect Brian to be traded either this offseason or even at the deadline? Or do you still hold out hope that he'll be back long term? I know that seems kind of unlikely right now, but. Well, before I before I jumped on, I, I did I did confirm that he has not been traded. OK, gotcha. you may read. Um, he's right. still on the uh, 25 and 40 man rosters. Not um, on the Braves or next, anything. <laughs> no, no. He only got <laughs> traded to the Braves 10 times last offseason. Right, right, right. Um, I, I think he got traded to every team at one point. The Mariners got yeah. him for some weird reason. Um, what I expect him to go, I, I after getting rid of Darvish, I don't see the reason to. Right, <laughs> like on their side, like I don't see right, what right. saving his money does for him at this point, especially on a one-year contract. Um, and if Darvish is only going to fetch you four lotto tickets and Zach Davies, like yep. what is, like what contender needs a third baseman? What contender is actually going to pay up for that at this point? Mm-hmm. That's um, it. Yeah, I mean, that's just it. it. I think they're just better suited to run it back with them and see if they can get off to a good start and be in the in the race. And if they're not, I, is his is his trade value going to be a lot different in July than it is right now? Like, I don't know. I just don't. I don't see somebody jumping the market to get them, and I just don't see there being a value trade there. And it's also one of the faces of your franchise. You might want to try to not just trade them for scraps. Yeah, that's the, that's um, the just, thing. I feel like they'd be trading low or selling low on guys like that if they trade them now. I mean, the rumored Braves trade that came up several times last offseason didn't even seem that good, that good anyway. Like Austin Riley and 
they're pitching they're pitching prospects that aren't max Reed. like none of that seemed super good and there's no way that offer is better this year so i don't know i mean i i think the flip side of all the uh pandemic related like revenue hits is a guy like chris bryant isn't gonna cost you 250 million dollars to extend at this point right yeah i i think it it, there's there's definitely room to work something out long term but just give yourself the time to do that or give yourself the time to let a market develop for them it just it doesn't make a lot of sense to me at this point to just get them out for a, another 19 year old who might never make it past double a yeah that's the thing it's like what i made the joke on twitter yesterday i think it was uh or maybe it was today who knows but uh i saw a, a tweet i can't remember exactly what the tweet was but basically my quote tweet or whatever response was basically like a quote as if jed was saying something like well we didn't have to trade him now but i have this money to spend i gotta buy it so i gotta just do it now it's like there's no reason to trade i mean i get why you know going back the last season or so when the bryant stuff was always a, a, to- a hot topic i get if you don't want to lose them for nothing and you, you think about what you could trade if you're not going to bring them back long term but right. right now he's coming off the bad bad year uh, no team is going to overpay like we were talking about. He was going to give up top prospects, especially for a guy who will be a free agent in a year and coming off the down year. And then with Baez, kind of the same thing. They're talking extension. And I know, I at least, I think they had already, didn't they try to, um, or they're, they're talking in the neighborhood of like $150 million, I want to say, yeah, before it's last season. They, they were saying like the Xander Bogarts deal, which I think was... I think it was 120 over five. Yeah, yeah something like that. But that was the one they they uh, kind of referenced it too. Right. So if Bias were to get extended, what's what's the numbers on him? Because he's coming off the bad year. So of course he he had the MVP runner up type seasons uh, before last year, obviously. Mm-hmm. But then he has a bad year, so it's got to weigh in a little bit. I was trying to figure out. I was trying to gauge it. I was you know even asking Brett. I was I know it was a 60 game season. Uh, I know it was a weird, fluky year anyway. I know there's no, uh, they got rid of the video and the dugout, stuff like that. Uh, On on the one hand, Ian Happ, for instance, was able to have a great year. If he didn't have video or whatever, it didn't matter to him. Whereas, I mean, I get it. I'm not saying that Bias doesn't have a valid valid excuse, but I was trying to figure out whether his numbers have normalized over a full 162, or was he just that off last year, even in just the 60 games? What's his value for an extension? How much do you think, and it might help a team like the Cubs, because maybe they get him him long-term for less, but how much do you think he costs himself? Yeah, I mean it's it's tough just because with the change in in revenue losing basically losing the season for Major League Baseball, it and with the new CBA coming up, it sort of resets the market on everything and probably sets it lower uh, across the board. I mean, if you're talking taking that out, like if you're talking one twenty over five before, that would have bought two years under contract and then three years of free agency. So now you'd be talking four years of free agency. I think. I mean in. 100 over 5, maybe 90 over 5. Still a nice chunk, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I hope these guys all get paid what they're worth, but just in the big kind of, like the the grand scheme of things, he's a year older and you're, you're, you're dealing with a situation where teams just aren't going to be giving out like what the Harper and Machado mega deals were two years ago. Um, and how like Javi will have to go into a free agent class that has uh, 
Francisco Lindor in there too. So it's going to be more competitive for the, you know, to get the big deal out of that with a, with a, I don't think Lindor ever won the MVP, but he's come pretty close. Like going up against a really talented player like that, um, it, it just becomes difficult. So I think, I think it would be in both teams or both sides' interest to go like a hundred over five. Maybe an option that they owe him a buyout on for a sixth year. I, but I, I think in terms of like a goodwill play for the Cubs, it makes a ton of sense to try to sit down with them and work something out because is there a more popular player on the roster than Javi Baez and also potentially like the face of the league at, <laughs> to when, when he's on, like a fun player like that who, you know, tries so hard every day and does the, the whole El Mago, El Mago routine. Um, not Al Mago. That's not a person. Um, El Mago routine. Like that's, that's somebody that is going to get fans in the door and is going to sell jerseys and just even above his production, which can be very good if things click for him. Like that, it just makes sense for them to make a run at it. I just, it's going to be really weird to see where some of these, um, really interesting to see where some of these extensions wind up at this point. Cause yeah, I've Who got I've, what these teams are looking at revenue wise. Right. Yeah, I've got both my Bryant and Bias jerseys in the closet back there. So I'm hoping that nice. they'll still be sticking around. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, I don't know. It's it's definitely interesting. It's never dull, at least. But, um, you know, we're talking about a team that still won the division last year. It's not like they're necessary. And the central stinks. So, I mean, there's still hope for the team. I was talking to, uh, you know, Dom on Twitter, the director yep. of morale, right? Oh, yeah. So had him on to help kind of uh, really spin the positive, of course, a few weeks ago. And this is, of course, before the Darvish trade. So he was talking. I even asked him the same thing. And he was like, no, I don't want to trade Darvish. I get if they have to make tough decisions, but don't trade a guy just to help the bottom line. And that's what it feels like they did. Absolutely. You're kind of known for your names on Twitter. I always, like I said before, I kind of like the... Uh, I always gravitated towards the delusional fan, Jeff, just because not because you're delusional, but it just was funny. They're all pretty funny, but uh, I obviously what that one. Yeah, if I can't remember. Like, oh, if you if you think this team is going to win the division, like you're delusional, and they're like three games up at the time. Like, all right, delusional <laughs> fan. <laughs> um, and I like the uh, Hall of Fame baseball person one. That's a classic, obviously yep. the, the ode to Larusa, but. Um, and obviously, so the one thing about your tweets, so I know, like, I totally understand what you're doing. I get your sarcasm. So I always fight the urge to want to be the guy that's jokingly, like, serious on your tweets and be like, that's not how that would work, actually. But I always fight that temptation. Like, I'm not going to do that. But, like, I know, I like, I, I get what you're, uh, I know what you're doing. So it's always funny. But uh, I can't even remember who this guy was. I can't even remember the name, but he blocked everybody because, I don't know, you said something or did something. And he blocked like half of the uh, Twitter base, yeah. basically. So the the kind of long story short here is I one day, I would say my tweets are split between things that I sort of kind of work on and things I, that just pop in my head and I feel oh, like yeah, of course. tweeting out there. Um, and I, I, I'll say I, I never, I don't anticipate most of my stuff. I don't want to be the serious guy on Twitter. I right, right, right ever talk about politics or talk about anything important mm -hmm. and right. you know throughout a few series tweets about the cubs there's better guys for that like brad or the cubs insider guys or whatever they're right, gonna give right. you better analysis than i am most of the time it's just if i think i've got an interesting idea or something i'll throw out something serious but yeah it was like one random saturday and 
Um, is there a, cause I think I had found some random person had blocked me who I had never interacted with, which is always just the fun, the, the, the most fun Easter egg hunt you can uh, right. come up with on Twitter, um, and try to back it out. So I threw a tweet. It's like, you know, if somebody blocks you, they should have to submit like a comment form to, uh, let you know why. So you can improve, you can self-improve. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this guy, uh, I'll, I'm not going to name, name names because his followers have already come after me once. Um, but he had, he's a blue check who had like 20,000 followers, like thought I was being serious and quote tweeted it. And then some of his followers got in my mention to tell me it was a stupid idea, which yeah, of course it's a stupid idea. It's a yeah, joke. Exactly. Right. So I responded to, him, um, basically like this is, this is a joke, you morons or something like that. Maybe I sent the, the drill tweet. That's like, it's a joke. You knit, you nitwits or something. And he got really offended. And, uh, because you know what I typically do is the the whole uh, the whole Dave Portnoy thing where I sick all my followers and somebody who disagrees with me. He decided not just to block me, but to run a script that would intend that would block all my followers. He ran the script one layer too deep, and then also blocked all my followers' followers. And uh, that like like Bleacher Nation has ninety thousand followers. Uh, another yeah. account that follows me has like thirty thousand. So this uh, kind of just spanned like it was just like an octopus just slit, just slid its tentacles out over the entire yeah. club's Twitter, and then also caught like all of Chicago sports Twitter, and so on and so forth. I was at one point like, you know, if this goes another layer deep, like everybody who follows a major league baseball team is going to be blocked by this guy because like at Cubs follows at Bleacher Nation. It's like well, all the other baseball teams follow at Cubs, so you've got. You know, millions of people. I it didn't go that deep. We verified, but yeah, we worked the numbers out. It was something like uh, four hundred thousand people. It's a great badge of honor. That, yeah, yeah. Well, that Sunday was wild. Just uh, I, I tweeted on Saturday. That Sunday, I remember just like pulling up my notifications, and it's just people like, "Who is at EVR five five one?" and like I've never heard of this guy, but he got me blocked by this other guy. Like <laughs> just the entire day, it's just kind of like who's who's this guy who blocked me? I have no idea who this is. Like I'm not even a Cubs fan, and this guy blocked me. Like it's it was uh, it was wild. It was quite the uh, just quite the confluence of events that led to me getting half a million people blocked by a random guy. But on the plus side, only only two people yelled at me directly of his followers that I was an asshole about it. So. And I really wasn't. I was like, this is a really funny right. curiosity. You screwed up. You kind of got to wear this. Right, yeah. It's not even like you were blatantly whatever. I, you, It was like a little comment or whatever that he got offended over and reacted. And so anyway, that's a good badge of honor for you, though. Well, after like the 10th person to ask like why they were blocked by him, I, I just put a little explainer up and he uh, considered that targeted harassment. So... <laughs> uh but who cares everybody who saw it was blocked by him anyway so twitter is ridiculous uh but yeah i'm glad that you are um you're a good follow you keep it light i like your tweets uh like i said i fight the urge to be the serious guy on purpose just because i know what you're doing i know i get your humor but um yeah it's always fun to see those that are able to not be serious and a downer on twitter so good job on not being that appreciate that no, I mean, there's plenty of actual serious people to go to. I just don't think Absolutely. with my yeah. my limited platform, I want to be the guy who's constantly beating the drum about how the Ricketts should go to hell or how <laughs> you know this political policy is bad or 
that COVID-19 is bad. Like there's, there's people who say that better than me. I just, I want to oh, get yeah. a few jokes off and once in a while have like an actual coherent thought that maybe makes people uh, agree with me or, or tell me I'm an idiot, but that's, uh, that's only about 15% of the material. I'll have a few serious, but like I do the sarcasm, Simpsons, baseball, sports. That's pretty much it. Yeah, like like with you, I'm not doing yeah, politics exactly. or anything like that. But the Simpsons stuff's great, though. It's it's so much fun to just see people who all know the the references and just slide them in at the right time. It, it's oh, it's yeah. amazing how eight seasons of that show has provided material for generations at this point. It's fantastic. Like like you know Ryan Davis, right? So I had him on not that yeah, long yeah. ago, and uh, we did our. He gave me a lot of great baseball stuff, and then uh, we did Simpsons at the end because I know he's a big fan too. So we were talking about you know ten minutes of the Simpsons, but yeah, it's great that those references and memes just come in handy all the time. So no matter what, there's a tweet or a gif or something for it. But I was just gonna say, um, when you mentioned Chris Archer, that's that's one of those names I always like to bring up. Like, oh, I think the Cubs are gonna get Jake Peavy or Brian Roberts or Chris Archer. <laughs> that name's always gonna float out there. So. Yeah, I mean, now is the perfect time. It will cost them nothing but a little bit of money. It's it's let's close the loop. I think I said today we get PV, we get we get Roberts now, we get Archer, and then we trade all our props for, for for Whit Merrifield, and then trade Chris Bryan away, and that closes the loop on just all the trade rumors, and we can start anew. That's how twenty twenty is start fixed. fresh with some new trade rumors. Yes, exactly. exactly. We should do it all. To, we got uh, a couple hours tonight, three hours or so tonight to get it all done <laughs> for the new year. That's perfect, Whit. Bryant, uh, Archer, PV, Roberts. I think that's all of them. I think that encompasses like the last like 20 years or 15 years or something. So, yeah, then that's think it. of all the new trade rumors we can come up with. Then it's, uh, I'm sure we can new, work, I'm sure we can work Mike Trout into that. Yeah, exactly. Work Mike get Trout, Mike Trout. Bryce, Bryce Harper, get them both. That reminds me. I, uh, I don't know. Are you, are you do you know if you're blocked by Justin Groom? I don't think I am. Hold on, let me let me check. Yeah, so I'm not I'm not one of these guys to ever at athletes, and if I do, it's it's a good thing. Like if I if I ever at an athlete, it's a good thing. So I would always do this joke tweet. I never added Justin Grimm, but it was like 2017 or something. I was like, oh, we could trade Justin Grimm for Kershaw. I would do that all the time as a joke. I would never at any of them. It was just a minor. Whatever, it was nothing malicious. And one day, I noticed that I was blocked by Justin Grimm, and I was like, he must have seen my tweets about trading him for Kershaw one too many times or something. That's all it was. Uh, it was never anything worse I am worse blocked than by Justin Grimm. <laughs> I there don't recall ever tweeting about Justin Grimm in a positive or negative light. Right. I think he's one of those guys that reads his tweets, and if he sees his name, he's going to block you if it's anything perceived to be negative i know he's one of those that will do that so yeah i just said let's trade him for kershaw one too many times i think and that was that so <laughs> but uh, uh yeah yeah i i think uh if i were a pro athlete i would take the chris bryant policy of i don't give a shit and just never look at social media <laughs> yeah exactly exactly i mean it's just it's a cesspool we all know it but that's why we have fun with it it's still fun it's cool to interact with guys like you and whoever else and definitely it's almost like at this point it's like i don't know half of i don't know any of my twitter people at all, to be honest but i feel like i'm friends with everybody because i, t- I see their tweets every day or we interact every day in some way or shape or form yeah and uh, you know it's it's if you get the right kind of group of people you interact with, I think it's a lot of fun for as, as bad as the website can be and the platform can be like, yeah, you actually do form some weird online relationships that <laughs> are, I mean, especially like now with not being able to really see 
people in real life. Um, right, right. You know, pretty sustainable and pretty like there's some really cool people out there. And um, like I'm the handful of, I don't know, probably close to 100, 200 people that I regularly interact with are all seem pretty cool. And it's a good thing. Um, and it's also it like, like you said about like you, like this is a major league pitcher who participates online and like responds to people and, you know, throws jokes out like that's pretty awesome. I, I, I wish the platform was more steered towards that than um, a lot of the dumb fights and other things that kind of boil over trying to cancel people, especially me. Um, over super innocuous things but uh yeah it's it, it's I, i'm i'm grateful to be on the website i'm grateful with like or being on the website that i found a, a group of people that are pretty cool um and especially like with a one common interest that just kind of branches out um because there's some people with really interesting opinions really interesting experiences and um along with being funny and having having talent at the platform it's it's uh it's a good good deal sometimes that was Jeff Everson. You can follow him on Twitter at EVR551. He's a great follow, so slam that follow button, please. And as always, the intro-outro music for this podcast is by my guy, John Christian. You can find his band, Let It Sleep Across Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. So subscribe, leave a review, give it five stars if you would. And as always, we will see you next time. Three, two, one, zero, zero, zero.